Hello, and thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Sermons Podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. This sermon is called Stay Gold. The sermon text is Matthew 7, 12. The supplemental text was Romans 13, 8 through 10. We worship every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in our building at 819 John Adams Street, which is the corner of 9th and John Adams Streets in Oregon City, Oregon. You can also join us for worship via our Facebook page at facebook.com slash onebaptistchurch. That's the numeral one Baptist Church. For more information or to financially support the mission and ministry of First Baptist Church, please visit our website at onebaptistchurch.org. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. There are, there are two ancient rabbis. Ancient rabbi, we'll look up the plural later, who, who lived about the same time as Jesus. One was called Shammai, and the other was called Hillel. And Hillel was actually the spiritual grandfather of the Apostle Paul, because Hillel taught Gamaliel, and Gamaliel taught a young firebrand named Saul, who would eventually become an old firebrand named Saul, named Paul. And one time, a, a person seeking to convert to Judaism uh, came to Shammai, and he said, I want you to teach me, I want you to convert me uh, by teaching me the entirety of the Torah while I stand on one leg. And Shammai promptly chased him away with a bit of wood. Hillel, when presented with the same question, said this, What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah, the rest is commentary. Go and learn. Which I think any one of us could probably learn while we stood on one leg. When we think about this verse, this, this, tiny, this tiny little fragment, it seems, of Scripture, something that could have easily been left on the cutting room floor, we think about it not as something insignificant, but something that we have called the golden rule. Uh, it may say, if you, if you read in your Bible, the little subheading, that is usually over just one verse, says the golden rule. And Jesus says that this sums up the law, the Torah, and the prophets. Furthermore, Hillel says this sums up the Torah. But Hillel and Jesus weren't the first two to kind of put together the idea of loving your neighbor as you love yourself, or not doing harm to your neighbor as you do not wish harm to be done unto you. In fact, in lots of different world religions, you can find this command to some variation on loving others the way you love yourself, or not doing harm to others the way you don't wish harm to befall you. 
what we see that's different from Jesus is that this is the summary of not just the Torah, but of how Jesus teaches the Torah. From here on, now, we're not going in order of Scripture with this, uh, with our, our study of the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to jump back to the, the Lord's Prayer next week. But in the Sermon on the Mount, this is the end of what we might call Jesus' ethical teachings. Because after this are exhortations to wisdom, instructions on how to live out then what you have just heard. And so Jesus gets to the end of all of these things, of the Beatitudes, of uh, instructions on murder, not how to, but why you shouldn't, and murder. He covers topics like murder, divorce, adultery, revenge. He teaches us to pray. He tells us not to worry. And then he says it's all summed up in do to others what you would have them do unto you. So this is worthy of us slowing down and taking some time to consider. When we hear this, this line, this phrase, there are no qualifications, are there? There are no stipulations. There's no extra contingencies that we have to contend with. There's no attachment of who's worthy to be treated as one's neighbor. There's no qualifications for who ought to be loved. We have all of these, these oftentimes disastrous ideas that before somebody can be loved, they have to be proved worthy of love. But in the golden rule, we're not, we're not looking for immigration cards. We're not asking for papers. We, in the golden rule, there's no income requirement. There's, there's no political loyalty test. In the golden rule, we are told to love others the way that we want to be loved. Furthermore, the golden rule ties directly into what, uh, what biblical scholar Scott McKnight calls the Jesus Creed. And the Jesus Creed, very simply put, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And in almost a Trinitarian way, do unto others as you would have them do unto you emerges from this command. Because when we're taking seriously the call to love God and to love the people around us, the way that we do that, the way that we accomplish that, the ethic, if you will, is to do to others as we would have them do unto us. And this gets muddled and murky, and I have heard this taught so many ways, both beautifully and poorly, both with great intentions and with ill intentions, uh, and I've heard lots of different responses. And so this morning I want to kind of go through looking at inward ways that we consider loving our neighbor as well as outward ways that we consider loving our neighbor. Because the golden rule provides us with a firm foundation and direction 
for how to live out love in the way of Christ Jesus. One time, this was being discussed while I was a student at church camp in Cowan, West Virginia. And I heard somebody say, well, I wouldn't care if I got treated that way. And I thought, even then in my high school young immaturity, though I thought I knew everything, I thought, that is a very strange interpretation of do unto others. Because it's, it's this idea of, of do unto others what you would be okay with having done to you. And sometimes, unfortunately, things have happened in our lives that make us feel as if we don't deserve the very best. Sometimes things have happened in our lives that have told us that we are less than. Or that if we want to be loved, if we want to be cared for, if we want to have grace and mercy and beauty lavished on us by somebody else, that that's too much to ask. And so maybe, as much as anything else, the first call of the golden rule is for us to get right with ourselves and to unpack some of these things that have been done to us. There's a word that, that is, is part and parcel of kind of, of, of modern psychological language, and that's trauma. And trauma is something that, that affected you so negatively and so deeply that instead of living out of a place of health or living out of a place of realizing that God loves you and you can pass that love on to other people, you fear that you don't deserve love or you fear that you are fundamentally flawed or you fear that this horrible thing that happened to you once might happen to you again. And you can't let yourself be loved. You can't let yourself be cared for. And I, I, I don't want to sound too... We're always a little afraid of, of putting too much attention on ourselves, on, on too much spotlight on ourselves, and living out of ourselves rather than living out of God. But this isn't a question of selfishness. This is a question of recognizing that God's very attitude towards you is love. God's attitude towards you has always been love, and that is unshakable and unchanging. From everlasting to everlasting, you have been loved by God. And I don't just mean in, in kind of the vague, touchy-feely, grab hands and, and sing a song around a campfire sort of way. I mean that at your best moments and your worst moments and everything in between, your Tuesday at, at 457 moments, you are still loved by God. And if we're loved by God, then we're not meant to live with this burden of trauma, of guilt, of shame, and of fear. So loving your neighbor means first reckoning with loving yourself. Because if I don't believe that I am worthy of love, I'm going to have a real hard time loving anybody else. If I don't understand something, 
if I don't understand the scripture that I'm, I'm proclaiming to you, I'm going to have a real hard time talking about it, aren't I? Likewise, if you don't understand love, you're never going to be able to pass that on in, in the, the fullness. And I know we're, we're all people who are limited by the fact that, that we are, are in a broken world that is full of broken systems that constantly inflict trauma on individuals and inflict brokenness on individuals. I'm aware of this, and I'm aware that until we are seeing Jesus face to face, our love will never be perfect. But Scripture doesn't call us to perfect love. Scripture scripture calls us to love, full stop. If we can embrace God's love for us, if we can realize that, that God loves us so, and because God loves us so much, we are worthy of love, then we can pass this on to our neighbor. It sets us free. This is liberating because then we are free from from living with these these blinders that allow us to perpetuate the same hurt that has hurt us and to pass on cycles of unwellness from one generation of our families to next. Hurt people hurt people. English is amazingly frustrating and, and People who have been hurt, a better way of saying that is people who have been hurt tend to hurt others unless they deal with that. And if you haven't dealt with the hurt, you may find yourself saying things like, well, nobody ever did whatever it was for me, so why should anybody else have it any different? Or I had it rough when I was starting off and I survived, they should have it rough too. And I won't say that that trials and difficulties in our lives don't bring character. Scripture attests to that. But we are not the arbiters of the difficulties that that bring character. It's not our job to say, ah, I'm going to throw this wrench into somebody else's plans so that they have to overcome it. No. We live in a world that does enough of that for everybody. We don't need to pile on. Whether we're talking about helping out a, a, a newly wed couple uh, just getting on their feet, whether we're talking about uh, somebody who is struggling to go to college but can't pay the bills, whether we're talking about somebody who is, who is doing everything they can to afford housing and food, but injury or illness or extenuating circumstances has taken their ability to do that away. If we cling to this hurt inside of us, we'll never be able to pass on healing to anybody else. And that's what the golden rule does. The golden rule allows us, in Jesus' name, to take the fullness of all of Jesus' teachings and lavishly bless our neighbors with it. When we care for ourselves, we are able to care for others. 
And there's the kind of self-care that we might think of where you're in a, a bathroom lit by candles and somebody's run a bath for you and you're laying there with cucumbers over your eyes and there's soft music playing and there's flower petals and all of this. And while that sounds incredibly either relaxing or frou-frou, depending on your perspective on flowers, candles, and all of that in the toilet. At the same time, it's that idea of treating someone with luxurious love the way that you want to be loved. And that's what we can then, we can turn self-care into other care. And this is where we make the shift outward. We make the shift outward to see that this is a lived ethic. This is, this is a way to live, not just something to internalize. When I come to a stop sign, I don't think, ah yes, here's a nice instruction for living. I'm going to think about this stop sign. Ah yes, there's, there's four lanes, of, you know, the, there's four ways that traffic can go here. Yes, I see why, why the city of Oregon City has, has placed a stop sign right there. That's a nice thought as I go through the intersection, which best case scenario, I get away with it. Worst case, or a bad scenario, is that I see flashing blue and red lights in my rear view mirror. And the worst case scenario is I hideously injure myself or somebody else. This is, a, this is an instruction that we are to live out. And we are to live outwardly. And, and the golden rule puts us directly in line with our community and our neighbors. The golden rule says we can't be all the time followers of Jesus who are off on our own on a hillside or next to a stream praying and that this is our only way of worship. No, the golden rule tells us that we need to be in a situation where we can be in and amongst our neighbors and our community. And when we do, it gets messy. It gets messy because dealing with another person is messy. I can deal with myself somewhat easily. We're all still working through the different, uh, different issues and, and things in our lives and we all have our own individual struggles and anxieties, yes. But I can, I can deal with those rather neatly. It's when I come in contact to somebody else and they're dealing with themselves and I'm dealing with myself and we're dealing with the space in between the two of us that things get sloppy and things get messy and difficult. And it's in those times that we have the golden rule. How would I want to be treated in this situation? How should I treat the other person in this situation? It, tell, it gives us a way to think about this. It gives us a framework so that we know what to do and we know what direction to go in. And this is not just for us as individuals. This is also for us as a group. This is for us as a church, as God's people called by the name of Jesus Christ. 21 years ago today, Two planes crashed into buildings in New York City, and one plane crashed into a building in Washington, D.C., and a fourth crashed into a field in, in Pennsylvania. 
And I'm not going to go into a lot more of it because if you, if you want to find out more about it, it's literally everywhere today. But I want to point this out. Is while the following days were, were a reason for great nationalistic pride for some people, and we've pulled together to overcome this terrible event, if you talk to a lot of our, our, our brothers and system, sisters who are of the Muslim faith, of the Islamic faith, they didn't have it so easy because the people who hijacked the planes had also hijacked their faith and used it as a justification for the violence they inflicted. And instead of asking, how would we want to be treated? There were a lot of people who went and inflicted fear and terror and graffiti and, and vandalism upon mosques and Muslim organizations around the country. And when we consider as a group, then, how do we want to be treated? What's the loving way for us to be treated? If we don't want somebody throwing a brick through our window, we don't throw a brick through anybody else's window. And if we don't want anybody else harboring this vague, generalized hatred for a large group of people that they don't have a face for, that they don't have a neighbor for, then we don't harbor a hatred for a faceless group of people. Love is messy. And you might be sitting here thinking, you know, John, all of this, this love talk, it's okay. It's all well and good, but this, let's get real. There is evil in the world, and there is. And John, maybe this, this, all this loving others, love others the way you want to be loved, maybe this is a little soft. I'm going to push back on that attitude. Because in loving others the way we want to be loved and treating others the way we want to be treated, it exposes this evil. It may not put a stop to it, but it exposes this evil. If we're the ones out self-sacrificially loving others, even in the face of hatred and evil towards us, one of those two things is going to shine brighter. And off the top of my head, I can think of one really strong biblical example of someone who offered up self-sacrificing love for someone who was not himself, even though it cost him greatly, and that was Jesus on the cross. There's a book and a movie called The Outsiders. And the, one of the main characters in The Outsiders is Ponyboy Curtis. And as one of Ponyboy's friends is dying, he says, stay gold, Ponyboy. And that's a reference to a Robert Frost poem that says, nothing gold can stay. Meaning that, the, that, that good things, that blessings, often don't hang around very long. But I'm going to say to you all today, 
stay gold. But in the sense of stay gold in loving others the way that you want to be loved, in treating others the way you want to be treated. Because we may not always find ourselves to be gold as we do this. We're going to get it wrong. We're going to make mistakes. But if we focus and make the the desire of our heart to live the ways of Jesus, and we live this out by treating others the way that we want to be treated, then we will be shown to be gold by Jesus Christ our Lord. So this morning, friends, treat others the way you want to be treated. Love others the way you want to be loved. And stay gold.